Good morning, everyone. How are you doing this morning? Good? Are you okay? Uh, hopefully, it's going to be a good morning. We're in September already. We're, we're clearing out of our, fall, of our summer schedule and going into our fall here. Um, it is the Labor Day weekend, and uh, we wanted to change gears a little bit and do something a little bit different this morning. Uh, that's why you have uh, four of us, or there's four of us on the stage today. Um, but what I wanted to do is I wanted to take a few minutes, and uh, first off, if you would turn to your Bibles uh, to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3. If you have a Bible with you, please turn it to Ephesians 3 in the New Testament, uh, or you can grab one of the Bibles on the, uh, underneath one of the, the seats in front of you, and uh, we will walk you through uh, what we are doing this morning and, uh, and why we want you to follow along. Um, if you don't have a Bible, I say this almost every week in our services, if you don't have a Bible in a translation that you understand or you really can get something out of, please take the Bible with you. We will replenish it. Not a problem at all. We want to make sure people have a translation that they understand. Um, but today we're going to take a little bit of a different change uh, before we go into our, our fall series. We have a series that's going to be coming up later in September that we're going to start talking about next week. Uh, but we're going to do like a one-off service today on a topic I think that is very, very significant for us today as people. You see, life is full of rhythms, and uh, if we get out of rhythm too easily, uh, we find ourselves a little aimless. And maybe some of you this summer have found yourself out of a rhythm. Do we have any people that struggle with summertime rhythms? Any people? Some, some of you are like, I love that. No, but, but, and it's good to get out of rhythm a little bit sometimes, isn't it? You know, the rhythm of life, of school and work and, and home and, and, you know, back and forth. But it's, it's important for us sometimes to recognize the need for rhythms uh, because rhythms help keep us anchored. And one of the things we're going to talk about today, or the topic we're going to talk about today, is called Living God's Mission. And the foundation of this message is about reminding us of a rhythm, a foundation that when we remember it, it dictates the direction that we walk in, the pathway that we walk in. You see, when we lose sight of the rhythm of what God has called us to walk out, we become a little aimless. So we're going to talk about living God's mission. Now, mission is one of those big words, uh, but another way of saying mission is simply asking the question, what do you live for? Everyone lives for something. Everyone has a mission, and it's really the priorities of your life. Maybe we don't think about it every day of our life or every moment when we get up, but there are things that drive us that we actually use to shape our lives. There's things that we are about. So I, I asked our panel of pastors behind me, which will be speaking in a little bit, Pastor Rob and Pastor Brian and Pastor Christine, would you guys just join me in just welcoming them as they're up here? Thank you guys. I'm going to ask them to help me weigh in a little bit, help them weigh in a little bit on what mission looks like and what are examples of things we as people live for. So what, what would you guys say are examples of things we live for? Working out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. How about family? Wait, wait a minute. I can't write that fast. So working out, family is the another The Cleveland one. Browns. The Cleveland Browns is not making the list. What else? We'll say sports. Sports. We'll yeah, say we'll sports, okay, so that we don't embarrass anybody. Okay, okay, Brian. Um, who, what else? What else are examples of things we live for? Hobbies. Hobbies? Okay, hobbies, like Hobby Lobby hobbies. Hobby, that's about, good. So we have hobbies. How about work and job? Job, work, yeah, people, people have a mission around their work or their An job. An excellent meal. An excellent meal. Yeah. Okay, I'll just put food on there because, listen, I was at a wedding last night, and there was some really awesome food there. They walked over with little trays of, of, um, of cheesecake, like little square cheesecakes, and they said, would you like one? And I had one, and I went, can you just leave the whole thing here? 
Seriously. And she's like, I'd get in trouble if I did that. I'm like, I won't tell. But anyway, she didn't do that, but she said I could have two. What else? How about experiences, like trips and adventure? Oh, adventure. Yes. People live for adventure, right? Yes. I just watched a Bear Gorillas video the other day on how to escape from quicksand, if you're ever caught in quicksand. So adventure. Uh, Anything else come to mind? How about God? (laughs) Pastors, how about God? I'm going to put God here. Look at that. That's a good one. God. I'm going to circle it a lot of different times. That's a good one. We're right? leaving that one for you. Oh, you left that one for me. Well, thanks, Pastor Rob. I appreciate your kindness. And, and uh, yes, we live for lots of different things in this world, right? I mean, think about this. There are all of those things on that list may be things that you live for. They're different priorities of our lives. Now, you may not get up every day and have one of them be the most important, but some things are the most important. On their own, they're actually not bad. No one would tell you that's thinking healthy that working out is something you shouldn't do. No one would tell you that family isn't a mission that you should have as part of why you live. No one would tell me that a hobby or something that gives you joy or pleasure is something, and certainly no one would tell you God. The the point I'm trying to make here is that on their own, they're not bad. In the priority of our life, they can either become healthy or they become hurtful. They can become an idol if we're not careful. And the mission of our life can begin to be redefined when the wrong things take the wrong place in our lives. Make sense? So it's important for us to know that family is good. Hobbies are good. Adventure is good. But if they take premise, if they take priority over God, then we need to be careful. Someone told me the other day that you can always tell when you touch on someone's idol in their life because when you touch on their idol, if their idol is not God, if they're not adoring God over everything else, they respond, and that's not always a good thing. They get upset when you put your finger on the idols of their life. But there is a mission that God has, and the church of Jesus Christ has been given a mission through God. This morning's message is living God's mission. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to identify what God's mission is and how we're a part of his mission. And this is really important for us to understand. So chapter 3, verse 10, we're going to begin reading verses 10 and 11. The apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. Here's what he says. His intent, speaking about God, God's intent through the church was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So stop here just for a second, and we're going to reread. You know, sometimes we just gloss over scriptures, and we say, well, what does that really mean, or that sounds good. Let's stop just for a moment and back up and say God's intent. He's a very intentional God. His whole intention was that through the church, the wisdom that he has available, his wisdom is being entrusted or made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That's not just above the earth. That's everything in all creation through the church. When God wants to communicate his wisdom, his power, his truth, and demonstrate what it needs to look like and what it should look like, he uses the church as his mouthpiece. That's what it means. 
I used to equate this as like saying, like, we are God's cosmic billboards. We are spiritual billboards that our lives have signs on them. And the signs of our life tell the world what matters to us. Right? And I think probably some of you would agree with that when we take a step back to say, maybe there are people that you know just by watching their life, you know what their mission is. Maybe you know someone who's a workaholic and you know they just give their whole life to work because the mission, the billboard of their life just says they are a workaholic. When I was in corporate years ago, I interviewed with a guy on a product marketing team and he, uh, I got an interview because I knew one of his good friends, and I was like, I don't know why I'm interviewing for this. I'm not sure if I would be a good fit, or I don't even know if I want to run in this department. But this guy was really influential. He knew a lot of people. He was a VP, and he asked me a question, and I answered. And then he said, what questions do you have for me? And I said, well, what are your top priorities in life? And he said, my family, my job, and fishing, but not necessarily in that order. So he was being honest about the fact that his mission actually were some of these things, but they weren't necessarily in the right order. So this morning, what is our mission? Paul says God's intent, his mission, is for the church. Through the church, the wisdom of God should be displayed for all to see. That's what we are supposed to do. If I can say it a different way, the church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. It's not about what is our mission. It's what is God's mission. And in the midst and under the umbrella of God's mission, he has invited us to fulfill that mission. That's his intent. Isn't that an incredible responsibility? Think about that. God is saying you and I are his mouthpiece to the people around us. Our lives should be billboards that show the world what message or what wisdom looks like. So are we about demonstrating the wisdom of God? And what does it really look like? Because we have to know what his wisdom really looks like. We see that in verses 16 through 19, and I want to read that briefly this morning. So if you would follow along with me in verse 16, Paul says this, And I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Here's what I think is happening here. There's three things that we see in here that I believe the Apostle Paul is showing us that if we want to accurately communicate the wisdom of God to the world around us, there's three messages that we should be communicating. And they're simply this. The power, okay, the power to overcome, overcome life circumstances, go above and beyond, to look beyond the situation, but to walk with joy and peace, the power to overcome, the power to surrender ourselves to God's will and God's plan, and the power to love others like Jesus loves us. Pastor Rob is going to come and share about the power to overcome. This morning, we're gonna, my, my portion, my billboard that I'm talking about is the power to overcome. And when we see that here in, in, in Ephesians 3 and verse 16, and it says that I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Through the Holy Spirit, we have power to overcome. I, 
and, and it talks about the strength in your inner being, the strength in your inner being. And I, I believe that this, this power isn't just a power to like barely survive, right? Because there's some days where I wake up and there's so many things going on on the calendar. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this day, right? Like, I don't know how I'm going to, how I'm going to make it through this day. But it's not just, it's not just power to survive, just barely make it by, but it's power, I believe, in this word that you hear here at Bridge a lot, is the power to thrive, right? The, the power to, that we receive through the Holy Spirit that's inside of us in our inner being to, to thrive. And um, I think sometimes when life happens, we look at it and we act like we're barely making it through. And, and I see that all the time. But we have to allow ourselves to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit that lives in, inside of us. And, and I think that that means that our feelings, our thoughts, our emotions, we have to be willing to say, I need your help, God. I need your help to strengthen me in those areas that I might have the power to overcome. So why the message to overcome? Why the billboard, the power to overcome? And, and, and I thought about this for a little bit, and, and I think about some of the stories that I hear from people, right? Like the stories that, that maybe you guys, some of you all have experienced or, or your life experiences and you have shared, the stories that you may see on t- in TV shows or in movies. And, and the stories that stick with us, the stories that impact us, are the stories of the people who maybe are faced with horrible, horrible life circumstances, right? They go through terrible situations. And in the end, they're the people who overcome. And I I look at why would God want to use our lives, right? To to display that message. And I think that part of that is because he gets, we get to, we go through life, but we don't have to do life alone. We get to walk with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us to overcome. And I, and I love what Paul says in Romans in, 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 ver, in Romans 8 and verse 10 and 11, and it's going to be on the screen. And it says, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. So all we, we have the spirit inside of us. The spirit lives inside of us. And the spirit gives us life. But I love what verse 11 says. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life in your body by the same spirit living within you. And so often I think that I miss that this is the power, the, the message that God wants to display through, through me is that the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. Like, how would my day, how would my world, how would your world look? How would our workplaces look if we grasp this truth that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus, who was dead, to life in our situations? What would our situations look like? What would our thought processes look like? How would our, how would our, how would our, how would we overcome those, those situa- those, those, those areas of our life that just seem like we're being, you know, maybe, maybe beat down in? Grasp the idea that the Spirit of God, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives inside each one of us. And, you know, when life looks like it's about ready to take us over, when situations look like they're about ready to take us over, it's through those situations that God gets to use us, gets to strengthen us in our inner being to display the message that through him we can overcome. Through his church, he gets to display the power to overcome through any situation. And this summer, we had a group of students go to Atlanta, 
And uh, they were serving in, in different areas of the city. They were feeding homeless people. They were um, clean, cleaning up parks. And they were doing uh, some, some ministry with people who were in human trafficking. And Amadeo got to go on that trip. Amadeo, would you join me on the stage? And Amadeo is going to share this morning just a piece of how, how he experienced the power to overcome in, in his life. Would you welcome Amadeo this morning? Yeah, like like he said, over the summer I went down to Atlanta on a missions trip. So, and I figured I'd tell you a little bit about it. But to start, let me give you some a little bit of backstory. I guess I tend to be a perfectionist. I guess I like to, I like things to be in order, like where they're supposed to be, and like missions trips, plans change a lot. So. And over the summer, they did. Like, during the mission trip, their plans did change. So it was hard for me to deal with that initially. So the Wednesday before we left for for the trip, we had, we had a time of prayer. And God, during that time of prayer, God gave me a picture of a diamond. It wasn't quite, it was like, it was an incomplete diamond, and no matter how hard I tried, I, like, I could not complete it. Um, fast forward to, uh, what was it, Tuesday? I don't know. During the trip, we had a training for the coming day, and, like, there, there it was again. I was just looking on the floor, and there it was. I saw the diamond. Again, it was it was incomplete, and no matter how hard I tried, I I just couldn't complete it. Since I'm not a guy who believes in coincidences, so I I asked God, like, what does this mean? And He told me it that it means you 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 can't, you can't make yourself perfect. You there's nothing you can do, and no matter how hard you try to make yourself perfect in any way. And then a moment later, I looked up and I could have sworn I saw a door like just out of nowhere as if God was speaking to me again. And well, he was. He was telling me that there is still a way out and that the way is him. So basically this trip in a nutshell, God gave me the power to he gave me the power to overcome my perfectionism and be more flexible, I guess. That's all. I love what Amadeo said that he can't do it on his own, right? And so oftentimes when we're faced with situations, maybe it's even sometimes, you know, the way that we feel like we're wired in, in perfectionism. And we say, I, I, can't, I can't do this on our own. And we have, we have to turn and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Spirit of God that lives inside of me who raised Jesus from the dead, I need you to work on my behalf. I need your power and strength not to survive but to overcome what I'm walking through. And, um, and through this situation on this mission trip for Amadeo, he got to experience that. And it's amazing what God will do whenever we turn to him. You know, the, through a picture of an incomplete, imperfect diamond, like 
for most of us, we probably would have had no idea what that meant. But for Amadeo, the Holy Spirit knew exactly how to speak to him. And, and even though he may not know what the next step was, the Holy Spirit was able to say, hey, through me, through the door in his life, you can, you, you can overcome this. And God, says, I, he said, God said to Amadeo, I can take an incomplete diamond, an incomplete and perfect situation and make it perfect. So how does he do that in us, in each one of us in this room? How, 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 do, how do we experience his overcoming power, the power to overcome in our lives? And, and I believe it's through the next piece of wisdom that he gets to display through us, and that's the power to surrender. And Brian, Pastor Brian's going to come, and he's going to talk about the power to surrender. The power to overcome and the power to surrender, they're directly correlated. They're directly related. Uh, you experience the power of surrender once you overcome your own desires and expectations and wants and needs. Uh, we have the power to live through the power to surrender. We recognize that there's nothing that we can do to save our own souls and our own lives. But, you know, church is ironic because uh, when, we, when we accept Christ in our lives, we we, in a sense, we, we give everything up to him, right? Or, or we submit our, our lives to him. But yet, in so many areas of our lives, we don't fully surrender to him. We don't fully go all in. And, and we hold things back because we allow our desires and wants to uh, take control. Uh, if Jesus is our Savior and we acknowledge him as Lord, then we should also realize that he's the Lord of our lives, our entire lives. Not just the peace, but our entire lives. Ephesians 3.17, it says, So that Christ may dwell in our hearts. The word dwell in this verse simply means to invite in, to reside. To invite in and to reside. Not just take up a little piece of our lives, but to fully welcome in and reside. Many Christians, uh, we re- re- resist full surrender. Because, frankly, it's uncomfortable, right? When we are dealing with things in our lives, the easiest piece is just to kind of bury it deep within and not deal with it. Am I right? I've been there. Absolutely transparent. It's easier to do that. But fully surrendering means dealing with our issues at hand. It means saying, God, you are God. I'm not. I'm a mess, or as Pastor Paul used to say, a hot mess. I can't deal with this on my own, and I need you. And so, God, I need to fully surrender and give my entire life to you and not just a piece. You see, surrendering, Jesus even wrestled with this himself. In the Garden of Gethsemane, after he sent the disciples away in the last few days of his life, Jesus said, God, take this cup from me. Please take this cup from me. But not my will, but your will be done. Jesus wrestled with the fact that he knew that he was about to die on the cross for each and every one of us. But he also knew that it was necessary to die on the cross for us. Because if he didn't, if he didn't experience that full surrender, then we wouldn't be able to experience who he truly is. Jesus himself, again, wrestled with the idea of surrender. And he knew that he had to come and die for our sins. Church, the more we surrender, the more we look like Christ. The more we surrender, the more we look like Christ. Because we die to ourselves and we start really living for him. The same kind of attitude that we should have, not my will, but your will be done. Uh, In a military sense, 
um, surrendering might mean waving the white flag, right? Waving the white flag or defeat. But for a follower of Jesus, it means victory over whatever is hindering our Christian walk or Christian life. And it may require us to ask God to search our hearts for areas that we've kept to ourselves because we haven't fully committed. Then as he brings something to mind, then we need to relinquish it. We need to give it up. And once we've trusted in Jesus, we must recognize that, that we belong to him. Full surrender is like opening the closet. Something in the very back of the closet that we haven't seen for a long time. There's something, again, deep inside of us that we haven't dealt with. And those are the things that we need to relinquish and let God deal with. Let me ask you a question this morning. What would happen if you fully surrendered your life to Christ? What would happen? And what would that look like? We just finished four weeks of Mission Lansdale, where we had over 50 volunteers come and go out into the community. By the way, we had a total of about 150 total volunteers participate in Mission Lansdale in one area or another. But for those of you that came and you went out into the community, you experienced something that was incredible. You surrendered your time. You gave up your own desires for the three days because you knew that there was a bigger mission at hand, and that was to reach our community. I want to invite Will Toy up because I know that in surrender, it wasn't easy for some of you guys to do that. And Will has an excellent story about how God just kind of broke him uh, a week before Mission Lansdale. So, uh, Will, will you share your heart with us uh, for the next couple moments? Yeah, so um, I serve in multiple capacities just at Bridge, and uh, I've served on Mission Lansdale before. And this year, I just simply didn't like it. I didn't like the structure. I didn't like, uh, at first, like anything about it. And I really didn't want to serve. Um, and so there, there's just one sermon, uh, and Pastor Paul just like broke like on a tangent. And he's just like, I can't believe, and he was talking to Pastor Brian right here, and he's just like, I can't believe that we can't find enough people to participate in order to reach their own community. And the Lord just kind of hit me in that moment, and he said, like, you're willing to go overseas to serve whoever, but you're not willing to serve the people in your own backyard. And uh, that just simply crushed me because, like, that's what I'm called to do. That's, that's, that we're all called to do that. And it, it simply crushed me in that moment because, I don't know. It, it, it was just like a like the feeding moment. And uh, basically, I signed up for the first opportunity I can get. And uh, it was everything and more than what I expected. It, well, didn't expect. It was, it was just awesome. And um, basically, uh, one of the things I constantly pray for at youth is uh, just more youth to come into the church. And uh, this was like the best opportunity. And I can't believe it just went right over my head because... I mean, honestly, it was nothing but youth coming in. It was honestly fresh meat. Um, it was an amazing, it was just an amazing opportunity. I got to witness to so many kids that probably don't get to hear the gospel on a daily basis or at all. And uh, it was an amazing opportunity just to uh, pour into their lives. And uh, it all started by me just giving up who I was. And I was able to share my testimony with so many kids, how God led me to uh, go get my bachelor's. God led me to go get my master's. God led me to go join the army, despite my intentions and despite my expectations. And um, it was just an amazing opportunity that I should have taken advantage of. And honestly, I didn't mention this in first service, but I actually 
Um, I apologize to Pastor Brian just because, like, my unwillingness. I could have done more. I could have served more. And it was, it was an amazing opportunity. And honestly, I still kick myself to this day because there was so much opportunity there. And it was only there because, like, well, it wasn't there because God, or not God, myself, I just oh, was unwilling. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, give it up for Will. Yeah, when we fully surrender, uh, it begins to affect everything around us. It affects our prayers. It affects relationships. Uh, it, re- it, re- it affects our attitude. It, re- it, it affects our families. Uh, full surrender is essential to our Christian walk. If Will didn't surrender his time and surrender the ideas in his, in his mind and surrender his heart, then he never would have been experiencing Mission Lansdale this year. And so I want to ask you guys, or a quick verse, Psalm 25, 9, it says, He guides the humble in what is right, and he teaches them his way. He guides the humble in what is right, and he teaches them his way. So I want to ask you this morning, uh, what is hindering you this morning? Is it a relationship? Is it, is it the people that you're surrounding yourself with? Is it circumstances that you feel like you can't overcome in your own lives? Because you haven't fully surrendered and allowed God to deal with them with you. He says it's not best for us. Although we may think we know better, we can never improve on his plan for our lives. We never lose by yielding to the Lord. In fact, that's when life gets better. When we fully surrender is when we really start living for Christ. And that's when things get better. So what changes do we need to make? Maybe surrender means trusting God and not ourselves. And maybe not always our best friends. It means trusting God. And it might mean obeying his direction. Obeying where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do. And although those times might be hard and stressful and agonizing because we don't know the direction that we're going in our own mind, but God does, it's hard to trust that. But it's essential. That's full surrender. And then surrender daily. Live each day as if you're on a mission. Not just a Sunday, not just every other day, but every day. Live it as if you're on a mission. God's love is so powerful. And he wants to dwell inside of us if we fully surrender. When we fully surrender, we can experience the full power of God's love. Pastor Christine is coming, and she's going to share what the power of God's love looks like. Thank you, Brian. So the power to overcome and the power to surrender. We can't do those two things without God's love. So we're going to go back to our text in Ephesians 17. Ephesians 17 and the second part of that says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So Paul was praying for the church in Ephesus, and he was praying that they would be rooted and established in God's love. And I looked up those two words in Greek, and they mean what you would think they mean. Rooted, rooted from a tree or a plant. The roots go down deep into the soil, go around any obstacles that may be in their way, rocks, to get that firm ground to hold on to so that when the storms of life come, they'll not be uprooted. And established means built on a firm foundation. So a foundation that doesn't have any cracks or flaws in it. That's the kind of love Paul was praying for the church. That's the kind of love that we should be seeking today too. 
So what are we rooted in? What are we rooting ourselves in? Are we rooting ourselves in some of these things? Or are we rooting ourselves in who we are in Christ? Um, Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another, in John 13, 35. If we are rooted in God's love, we are like that tree that grows strong. Jesus will give us everything we need, literal life, eternal life, a relationship with, with God, and then the ability to love other people. The next verse in this Ephesians chapter, verse 18 says, you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of Christ is. Paul prayed that we would understand and know the depth of the love that Christ had for us. One of the commentaries that I read while I was studying these verses said, can we really comprehend the width and length and depth and height of God's love? To come to any understanding of the dimensions of God's love, we must come to the cross. So the cross pointed in four ways. God's love is shown to us through it being the cross being wide enough to include every single person. God doesn't want any of us to be left out. God's love is long enough to last through all eternity. And one of the reasons that I think we have such a hard time with this is we are not eternal people right now. God's spirit in us is, but we're not. So it's hard to understand a love that can last through all eternity. Third, God's love is deep enough to reach the worst sinner in us. The depth that Jesus went to to save and redeem us, he died a criminal's death on a cross so that we can see his love and feel his love and experience his love. And lastly, God's love is high enough to take us to heaven. He loves us and desires a relationship with us, not just for now, but for all eternity. How can we know God's love, really know God's love? Verse 19 says, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How can we, love, how can we know a love that passes all knowledge? I believe that there are three things that we need to do. The word here for knowledge means to experience. So we need to experience God's love. And we do that through knowing how he loves us through his word, letting the Holy Spirit reveal his word and that love to us, um, and asking those tough questions. You know, can God really love me? I've asked those questions. I've struggled with it, and I know other people have too. Can God love me after what I just said or what I just did? And the answer is yes, he does. And one time years ago when I was struggling with, God, how can you possibly love me? Um, my youngest daughter was just a toddler, and I was chasing her around the coffee table. And as you may know, toddlers run, when you chase them, they just giggle, like, from their tummies, like, uncontrollable joy and laughter. And it's infectious and contagious. You can't help but laugh with them. Well, we were having one of these moments, and I just thought to myself, I can't believe I can love another human being as much as I love this little toddler. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Chris, I love you even more than that. And that just gave me a teeny glimpse as to how he loves me. But not only me, he loves all of us that way with that same ferocious love. 
God knows you, and he's known you since before you were born. He's known you as kids and teenagers and adults. He'll know you when you get into your retirement years, and he will know you for all eternity, and he loves you. We had an opportunity this summer to take 20 kids to kids camp, and I've asked Rochelle Gerthy to come up and give a testimony about the power of God's love that we saw at kids camp. And while she's coming, I just want to say thank you to the congregation because you played a part in showing God's love to these 20 kids and these chaperones that went with us. You prayed for us. Some of you gave finances so that some of the kids could have an opportunity to go that might not have had that opportunity before. We had two volunteers that took their whole day to drive us out to camp, drop us off, and then come back. And we had these lovely, beautiful chaperones that gave up a whole week of work and all their normal responsibilities to come and love on these kids. Thank you. So um, we started out as a family deciding that we weren't going to do kids camp this year. Um, And then as it got closer, we realized that Pastor Christine was having trouble finding chaperones. Um, God started speaking to my husband's heart, um, showing him that he was providing extra vacation days and um, the ability to go. Um, So we went from none of us going to all five of us going um, in some capacity or another. And initially, um, Pastor Christine had asked that all five of us would give a testimony and share our perspective. Um, And the kids were not too sure, but I heard myself saying, um, we just have to be willing and the Holy Spirit will give us the words. I was like, wow, that's good stuff. <laughs> um, but then she came back and said, no, no, we're changing it. Now we just need one of you. Um, and honestly, the clear choice would have been Bill. Um, he was the MVP of camp, and there's just so many reasons why. Um, but it was really clear, really obvious he was going to give the testimony. And as this week went on, God was just putting it together in my mind. And I realized that I was the one that was going to have to be willing to share um, about our camp experience. Um, when we when we went, uh, the chaperones would begin each morning with a, a meeting with Pastor George, who was the, the camp director. And he would share his heart. And as I listened to his vision for the camp, um, I just, my perspective really started to change. I realized that everything about this camp is designed to bring kids into a loving relationship with Jesus. Whether it's all the fun activities or just having tons of food on their plate, um, Staying up crazy late, having 24-7 access to candy and sugar. (laughs) They just get pumped and ready to receive everything that God has for them. Um, But it was hard. Like Pastor Christine said, just getting there was hard. It was all these unusual things that, you know, don't usually come up with camp. Um, But in the Bible, it says that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. That was the first two days of camp, <laughs> like a thousand days, um, very long days that felt like they were never going to end. Um, and it was just one struggle, one disappointment, one hurting tummy, one boo-boo after another. And Pastor Christine kept saying, it's not usually like this. Um, but we didn't know any better, and we just said, well, we're, gonna, we're just going to keep going. Um, she shared with us early in the week that she saw a picture of a hard candy and that the shell was really hard to break through. But once inside, there was a sweet and gooey center. 
and that it was all going to be worth it when we got to that part. Um, so we knew that God had big plans for these kiddos, and we just kept pushing through all the, the struggles. Um, but Tuesday was the longest day in the history of the earth. Um, <laughs> we had finally got to the pool, uh, which the kids have really been looking forward to. And uh, Bill was there. He single-handedly had charge of eight little boys. Um, and we helped him as much as we could, but honestly, <laughs> he was the man. Um, right as we got there, uh, he had just noticed a little girl at the bottom of the pool and dove down and pulled her out. Um, she needed to be resuscitated by a lifeguard. And um, everyone in that area just crying out loud for her life. And she did recover fully. Um, but the pool closed. And so it was just another hard thing that, you know, we had to just kind of pick up and move on from there. Um, cannot say enough about Pastor Christine's leadership on this trip. Blown away, people. We are blessed. All our leaders, they do not tire of doing all the good. And they just pour themselves out. Um, the day did not end there. <laughs> it just seemed like more and more and more things kept happening. And God just showed himself so faithful, um, especially over Bill, giving him quick thinking, grace, overwhelming love, and handling even more hard stuff uh, during the crunch time. So when we say that he was the MVP, you have no idea. Um, and Wednesday, we finally got to see the breakthrough. We finally... Um, in our counselor meeting that morning, we were told that the kids were going to be invited to come up to the altars that night, that we were to go up and pray over them. Um, I just was just blown away that, that we all could learn a lesson from these kids. When the pastor said to them, you know, we're going to have altar time, and you can come up here, and we're going to pray for you, and the Holy Spirit's going to be here. Almost every single one of those 400 kids at camp just jumped out of their chairs and couldn't wait to come up to the altars. And it was just, you know, here I was. <laughs> Our girls liked to sit, like, right in front of the speaker. It was really loud, and Jacob was on the drums there. And I just had this moment of, like, oh, my goodness, I, I can't even hear myself think, how am I going to pray over these kids? And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, just listen to me. And so... I just acted in obedience because this is what we were instructed to do. And I stepped out and I just, you know, the first kid that I laid my hands on, it was just like this overflowing of words and love. And, you know, Christine and I kept calling it Holy Spirit vomit. <laughs> you just couldn't stop speaking. Um, some kids got baptized in the Holy Spirit that night. Um, all the kids reported just a strong sense of feeling loved and overwhelmed with joy. And it was just, God was amazing, and he was just so faithful to show up. And really, he could have, and he would have used anyone in that, in that position. Um, but because we were willing to say yes, and we went, uh, we changed our plans, we went with his. We got to be a part of all of that, and it was just such an honor. And it, it just changes you. You know, you come home, and you're like, when's the next miracle? Because they're everywhere, and they're happening, and it just makes you hungry for more. Um, so I had just one more quick story. We, we have a little pond out front of our house that my husband built and the filter gets clogged every couple of days. And if we don't like clean it out to keep the water flowing, it just 
fills up and overflows, and all the pond water pumps out of the pond, and then we have to go fill it up again. So we're driving home, and we're coming down the road, and he says, oh my gosh, I think I forgot to unplug the pump. There's going to be no water in the pond. I hope the motor didn't burn out. And as we pulled in the driveway, there's our little fountain flowing straighter and more perfectly than ever. The pond was full. It was clear. It was thriving. And no one touched that filter all week. And honestly, we just looked at each other like nothing's a surprise after this week. So, I mean, that sounds like a little thing, but it hasn't happened since. And we know that was God. So, anyway. Thank you, Rochelle. Rochelle's uh, testimony really did um, show the power to surrender, the power to overcome, and the power to love. Um, Thank you so much for sharing, Rochelle. Um, Personally, I don't think we can ever grasp the love of Christ, how wide and long and deep it is until we get to heaven. But we can try now here on earth. Um, I tell the bridge kids all the time that there's nothing that they could do or say that would ever make God stop loving them. And the same goes for all of you. There's nothing that we could do that would change God's love for us. There are three practical things that we can do so that we can know God's love more. The first is to ask the Holy Spirit to show us. Show us how much God loves us. He will. He did it for Rochelle. He did it for everybody that was sharing testimonies. Up here, he did it for me. Second, get in his word. Read stories about real people like you and I in the Bible that experience God's love. And thirdly, you need to give it away. There's something that happens in the experience of giving God's love away by how we treat other people, how we talk to other people, how we love other people practically. Um, that that just brings God's love to the surface and gives so much more back to us than we could ever hope or imagine. Another thing I share with Bridge Kids all the time is Jesus, if you're a follower of him, he's our model for everything. And he modeled this so well. He didn't have to come and die on a cross. He loved us up in heaven, but he did it. And he showed us by his life here on earth how to show other people God's love. So let's let him be our model today. So the mission continues. It continues. The message continues to be shared through each one of us, whether it's overcome, surrender, or love. I think so oftentimes as believers, it's really easy for us to look at other people's situations and say, hey, you really just need to pray for power to, for the Holy Spirit to help you overcome that situation. Or you really just need to surrender. You just need to give that to God and maybe get over your, your own idea. Or, hey, you know what? You just need to love a little bit more. And it's really easy for us to, to kind of push that onto somebody else and say, you need to do this. When really in reality, he wants to do it through each one of us. It's not just for us to give away, a message for us to give away, but it's a message for us to experience and grasp in ourselves. And so this morning, the, the question comes down to, to three things. Is what is it that your billboard message read? Does it read defeated or does it read overcomer? Are you making it through? Are you barely making it through your circumstance? Are you feeling defeated? 
or your situation, remember that the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And he wants to take your circumstance, your situation, and give you the power to overcome. Does your, does your billboard read selfish or stubborn or scared? Or does it read surrender? What are you holding on to that God is asking you to release? What's keeping you from surrendering it? And are you afraid to surrender to God? If so, why? Because what you're doing is you're robbing yourself of really experiencing and living for everything that Christ has for you. Or does your billboard read anger, bitter, unloved, unworthy? Or does it read loved and able to show love? It's a question for all of us this morning. What message does your life's billboard display? You see, one choice that we don't have in the process is we can't choose to display nothing. We will always display something. Our life is always going to give a message. The question is, what message are we giving? And yet God in his infinite power and his knowledge in his creative awesomeness says, I'm going to demonstrate the love that I have, the wisdom that I have for the entire world through my church. You are God's billboard. I am God's billboard. The way I live my life will determine whether my life says overcome, surrender, love, or it says something very different. If you're here this morning and you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, can I tell you the answer to your struggles, the answer to your questions won't come through other exploration. They're not going to come by any of these things you can fill yourself with, your mission, if they become any of these things or maybe something else, unless Jesus is the mission of your life. You will find yourself at some point wrestling with life choices and asking the big question. Do you know Jesus today? I don't ever want to make an assumption that every person that we talk to in this room has a relationship with Christ. That's a silly assumption. I've known many people over the years that have spent years in the church, and I don't just mean this church, I grew up in the church, years in the church, doing the right things, saying the right things, singing the right songs, and they've never surrendered their life to Christ. They've never made a decision to say, you are going to be my Lord. And that's where it begins. The process and the pathway to changing what we say and what we believe, our billboards begin by trusting in Christ. If that's you today, we're going to invite our prayer partners to come up here in just a moment. And we're going to invite you to come in a few moments and just talk to one of them about how you can start a relationship with Christ. I don't want to make a presumption or an assumption that someone here or no one here has to do that. But then I also want to speak to the rest of us that are here today. You might be here this morning as a follower of Christ saying, of the three that you guys just spoke about, there's one that really hits you right in your heart. Maybe it's not love. Maybe it's not overcome. Maybe it's surrender. Or maybe it's overcome and not love and surrender. I don't know which one it would be, and it's not between 
you and I to have that discussion. It's between you and God. But if you're trying to figure out how it happens, how the change can happen, it happens by knowing Jesus. It happens by making him the priority of your life and saying, God, help me explain. Like Amadeo's story. I struggle with perfectionism. How can I flow when I struggle to flow? God shows him the power through his spirit because his spirit is welcome in Amadeo's heart. Or like Will Toy, who gave that, that testimony about not wanting to come to Mission Lansdale because of all the changes that were being made this year and the offense that he took from that. And God hit him right between the eyes and said, why won't you love the people in your backyard if you're willing to go across the other side of the world and do it? And he died to himself to be able to allow that to happen, and God used him in a powerful way. Or Rochelle telling the story about our children's camp and our kids' camp. And, and kids' camp has broken leaders. And I don't mean breaks their heart for kids. I mean it's like broken some of our leaders. <laughs> like they go, God bless you. I don't ever want to do that again. That's hard. That's really hard. Wow, but some of the greatest opportunities to love came through those opportunities to serve, right? Are we willing to overcome? Are we willing to surrender? Are we willing to love? Would you stand with me as we get ready to close today? And I'm going to invite our prayer partners to come to the front here. And if you guys could join me up here. We're just going to be up here for anyone that would like to join us for prayer. For anyone that would like to come up. Doesn't matter what your reason is for. We're here to pray for you, to encourage you. This all begins with hands open inviting God's presence into our lives, whether it's through salvation, the first time we choose to follow Christ, we're going to make that declaration, or maybe just today again, you need to open your hands before him and say, you are welcome here. You are welcome here, not in this building, in this heart. Would you just sing this with us for a little bit? Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes as we declare this this morning.